Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always broadcasting first on WPVM LP Asheville 103.7, streaming online WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville, heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEIFM, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song. I really always enjoy your work, Walter, and I appreciate you offering your music for our theme song. If any one out there listening would like to know more about Walter's music, walterparks.com, if you're interested. And if you'd like to reach out to me, jamesnave.com, you can always email me through my website, jamesnave.com. Nave is spelled N-A-V-E. And I'd like to thank Davine Dial for all the good work she does at WPVM-FM. We wouldn't be able to have such a wonderful radio station. Community radio belongs to all of us, and we do broadcast all over the world. So it's a wonderful thing coming out of Asheville, North Carolina. And if you've been listening to this show, you know that I have folks on the show I've known for a while, and sometimes I have brand new guests I've never met before. So today I have somebody I've known for many, many years, and you may know her name too if you live in Asheville. You certainly know the event that she founded many years ago, the Leaf Festival. Her name is Jennifer Pickering, and Jennifer's been a guest on this show more than once, and I'm always glad to have her back. And I've invited her, I've invited her to come back on the show to talk about Leaf Global Arts, the organization that she started in 1995 with a with a good group of friends. She didn't do it on her own, of course, but she did lead it. And now we are coming out of pandemic times and we're moving into into the opening up of things. So I thought it would be a good time to have Jennifer back on the show. So Jennifer Pickering, welcome to Jennifer Pickering. Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio. Thanks for continuing the stories, Nave. Thanks for the continuing conversation you and I have been having for now. We go into our 26th year. Well, Jennifer, it has been 26 years since you and I first sat on a grassy knoll in Asheville, North Carolina, and you told me about your vision for the Leaf Festival, which is now gone beyond the festival into Leaf Global Arts. And for those of you out there curious about the Leaf Festival, if you've not heard about it, it's a festival that Jennifer started along with some of her friends, including me, in 1995. And the Leaf Festival quickly grew to a premier event in the Southeast. And for those of you who have attended a Leaf Festival, you know that over the weekend, starting on Thursday and running all the way through to Sunday, as many as 15,000 people will come to the festival, which is held on Camp Rockmont, which is the former site of Black Mountain College, which is just a few miles west of Black Mountain, North Carolina. Beyond the Leaf Festival, Leaf Global Arts also works all over the world in different countries, helping students learn how to make musical instruments, create music, and do all kinds of cultural and artistic activities that further their education. So now LEAF is a rather large organization and has much to look forward to. Jennifer, I would like to just open this up, this conversation, by asking you to give everybody a sense of what LEAF Global Arts is up to now and how are you reinventing your organization. And for those of you who run nonprofits, this might be an interesting conversation because LEAF Global Arts is a nonprofit organization figuring out new ways to do things. Well, 
this is an interesting time to have this conversation because a year ago, this time in the summer, we really didn't know if we would make it or not. And being on our 25th year last year and heading towards a 50th celebration, really what it came down to as we you know, kept on flowing the best we could with every wave, it really came down to so many people's family traditions or pinnacle experiences in their life happened either at a leaf event or in some type of leaf connection where they really found not only the best of themselves, but they found the best of others and connected to the world in a way that they were not able to in their day-to-day lives. And we just reopened Leaf Global downtown Asheville last week, and we had opened originally on Valentine's Day 2020. And there was lots of love there. And then obviously it's been a wild ride. I was talking to Brady, who creates maps all over the Asheville area. And he said it so beautifully. He said that one of the things he really realized during the COVID time was how important having something like leaves, how important taking these moments to explore music, to explore ourselves, to explore the world and to reconnect in ways that are meaningful and allow us to go forward. So how have we done this differently at this point? It's been such a process of reinventing literally every couple of days, making your next steps very flexible so that as the world was changing, we could also adapt. And that looked like smaller events. It also looked like virtual events as well. And we felt like it was really important to keep the energy going because at the end of the day, it was members and grants that kept us alive. And it was people whose lives had been informed in some way, shaped by the LEAF experience over the past 25 years. And what we have found stepping out of that time where the world did stop. And I think all of us were ready for the world to stop for a few days or a few weeks. We just didn't realize the time spans. And if you look at pieces of history, we really stopped for a year, which in the spans of history isn't that long. However, in the span of our lives is a really long time. And it felt like a long time. So as we step back into recreating, there's several pieces that are really powerful. One is the level of appreciation and reconnection to our work at LEAF and the gratitude to be able to work with so many people throughout the world through the music, through the arts, through the conversations and how this work not only is transformative for other people, but it's transformative for those of us who do the work. So appreciation of being here, of being able to create important conversations through these artful mediums. And then also 
relaxing into the moment. So stepping back from so many things that used to seem important of having a different relationship to what really is an emergency and what's not. What can you be satisfied with instead of always striving for the next thing or having that intensive creative or production energy of being more relaxed in the time and space that you're creating and going a little bit deeper into that space. So that means not necessarily having all of the things that we used to offer at the same time. Sometimes people just need space, space to connect, space to enjoy the dance, enjoy the music, enjoy the place. In our reformatting, we started doing a smaller retreat style because at the time that was what life was calling for us. And what we found in it was old school magic. So the hope is, is that we will be able to figure out the formula financially that will allow us to continue doing a smaller May retreat format, continuing our downtown Leaf, And then in the fall is when we would have more of our traditional festival and then having leaf global throughout the year that allows for that continual refreshing of the spirit of learning and taking us in lots of different places, spaces and connections that opens up our world and makes it a better place to be and makes us better people in the world. So now as things are starting to expand again and your plans include a live leaf festival in the, in the fall plus other events throughout the summer, can you talk some about your philosophy around growth as you move forward into 2021 and 2022? One of the pieces that we all have learned is it's less about the numbers and more about the connection. And throughout LEAF over the past, since 2006 now, we've been working in several different countries. Currently, we work in 10 different countries, supporting culture keepers and their efforts to preserve their traditions by passing it on to their youth. And throughout COVID, we really saw two things from our perspective that really shined. One is that no one can deny the global connection and the global effect anymore. And the importance of being a global citizen and that awareness for so many different reasons that range from that way that we're all woven together and also in terms of recognizing how injustices And whoops, and my dog agrees how both injustices and loss of culture, loss of language, how those don't only affect that small grouping directly, but that it has a ripple effect throughout not only the world, but throughout world history. So that inexorable link of people, stories, cultures, traditions that is really important because as we've gotten to be more of an accelerated society, more and more our traditions have had a harder time surviving within their own realm. 
from my perspective, the richness of the fabric of the world that, you know, makes it a great place to live. I think that's part of why you do these stories, Nave, is continually finding more of the tapestries and the stories of those links. The 10 countries you're in, can you tell us those 10 countries so people listening will have a frame for the for your reach? So in Latin America, we work in Guatemala in a small village called El Tejar. And we partner with David Lamont and Peg Partners and several other partners there. And uh, Costa Rica, we work with three of the First Nations, which are the Nove Bugle, the Cavacar, and the Bribri. And oftentimes people are, go and visit Costa Rica, but rarely is there that presence of the indigenous that are still very much interwoven within the communities there, but at a deeper, at a deeper level and not necessarily in a place where people can easily connect or, or experience. And then you go into the Caribbean area. We work uh, in Haiti and down further South in the Grenadines and Beckway and St. Vincent. And then in Africa, we work in, with culture keepers in the Ivory Coast, which is Adama's family. And they come from 33 generations of storytellers and drummers. And then in Rwanda, which our culture keeper, David Quazera there, who has grown up through the program and has really been one of the most extraordinary stories that I've ever experienced personally of watching him grow into a culture keeper and dedicated to teaching the youth that surround him on the streets on a daily and weekly basis. They, they opened up last week for a week and then COVID hit pretty hard again. So their culture segment just had to shut back down right now. And then in Tanzania, we partner with the Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots organization in Tanzania and several different programs there. So it's a really big world and we partner in places where we have a connection specifically to a culture keeper or someone who has asked us to come and to help identify who the culture keepers are. And oftentimes they are there and they're ready. They just need a little bit extra support or encouragement or catalyst and recognition that their work, their skills, their arts, and they are important and somebody recognizes them. So it's been really a beautiful journey. And then weaving a lot of those culture keepers and youth together within what we do here in the Asheville area through the festivals, events, and now global. Because if you can see yourself in the world, then it also changes your place of how you not only identify, but how you interact with, with everything. And so it's been really beautiful to reshape and open conversations, help break down a lot of isms and also build a lot of bridges and connections. I've seen it, uh, you know, within so many young people and within so many artists. 
Can you tell us a story about one of the areas you've worked in, a personal story about how Leaf Global Arts has affected that area and what the people, how the people have responded to the work you've done? I would frame that a little differently of less about the work we've done and more about the connections that we've been honored to have and work with Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, Cherie Shabdarev, who is LEAF's Global Engagement Director. She and one of our longtime teaching artists, Adama Dimbele, they set that program up. And it was in response to a tragedy that happened where Adama's family had the Dimbele Drum Center, which was one of the pinnacle drum centers in the world and in Africa. And as I remarked before, he is from 33 generations of drummers and storytellers. And that is an extraordinary lineage in his own right. And he has been teaching here in Asheville. I, he ended up here in Asheville about 10 plus years ago, and he's been part of Leaf since then. So he's been teaching there. And about, oh, I guess it's been about six or seven years ago that the government sold the land rights where the drum center was to a development group from another country. And they ended up demolishing the drum center. And all of a sudden there was this not only void, but there was a central community gathering place that held the richness of their traditions that had been demolished. And so in working with Adama, she and Cherie created a Leaf International program with Adama's brother. And he has become the culture keeper that we support his efforts there in Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. And he has been able to continue standing from a time when everything seemed desperate and demolished. He was able to have the support and the recognition to continue his classes and continue the work with the youth in a new way. And that has also empowered not only him, but his family and the youth to start rebuilding. That's an amazing story. And one of many, I suspect. There's so many people who are those people in a community, and I refer to them as culture keepers. In the Bribri First Nation, we started working with a young man, Hiro, years ago. He was the last person who knew how to make the drum, the Bribri drum, how to play and teach it. His elder mentor was still alive and that he knew the songs of the drum, but he wasn't teaching it to any youth at the time. We encouraged Hiro by bringing him on as a culture keeper to make the Bri drum, how to play and teach it. A couple of years later, after the program started, the Costa Rican government actually recognized the Bri tribe at a level that they had not recognized before and ended up hiring him to teach in schools throughout the country where there were Bri youth that weren't learning their traditions. And he was the first person I am told that had not done any higher schooling at all that the educational system had acknowledged. 
So there are so many of these extraordinary people in the world that end up working in a field that doesn't allow their arts to flourish. And a lot of this comes down to also supporting arts at all different levels. So coming back to Asheville, and for those of you listening, as I said, Leaf Global Arts is based in Asheville. And for many years, Leaf Global Arts was was in an office space they rented. And then Jennifer and the board of directors found a location in downtown Asheville, and they renovated this location. So I would love for you to tell everybody about that process. And the area you are in is just a wonderful renovated area, and it has a great rich history. So tell us about that and and build out a bit around how you've managed to make all of that happen. And I like to hear these stories because they're inspirational and aspirational. People hoping to do similar work maybe can gain some wind in the sails from your Mm -hmm. story. Well, in my story, a couple of things that are important to note is I am personally always on a learning journey and learning how to step into spaces and places in ways that are both appropriate and that they also open doors for others as well. That being said, we do work in a nonprofit system, which has a lot of its own biases and hierarchical structures that really need both shifting in a lot of ways. And it's something that has become extremely clear to me over COVID in so many different ways, as we've all you know, looked for funding to keep us alive and also looked at new possibilities of how we walk together. And I have to say, Nave, that one of my favorite personal places to find guidance has been in the poetry and in the poets who are able to have conversations in a way that is both inspiring, powerful, and important. And there's such a need for that at this time in our world where we are having to look at all of the systems that we work within and, you know, which ones are really healthy and which ones are not. So LEAF ended up about, it's been a couple of years now where Adama and I were in Haiti at our program there. And he said to me, he said, I really need a tailor shop. And it started this journey where I never thought that Leaf would actually have a physical place that it lived. And it started a new journey in recognizing that for the importance of longevity, but also for importance of connection, that it was a really good place and important place to go. So we began this journey of exploration to see where we could have a leaf experience. And it has ended up being down on the block in downtown Asheville at a place which is at the crossroads and it is on the corner of Eagle and Market Streets. And it was formerly the historic Club Del Cardo. And it was many things over its history, but that was the most recent. And it was one of the pinnacle 
bars and music clubs that extraordinary musicians came through. And Al Green was one of the last people to play there. Nina Simone, it is rumored, played there at some point. Regardless of who was playing there, like it was one of the centerpieces of this historic African-American community that it always felt just right. Like the music was right. The vibe was right. The people were right. And, and I went in there only a couple of times right before it closed years and years ago from the elders and the person who was our builder, Damian Davis, his grandparents, like that was their gathering spot, our board chair. That was her place where she would go. And, you know, her parents were there and, the other night when we had our reopening, it was great. I was taking a picture of three of our leaf leaders and all three of them had relatives that that used to be their hangout spot. And that is really important in the world that we live in where real estate is such a commodity and you can't replace history. You can't bring it back. But to be able to work in a space and to help transform the space into honoring a bit of the history and then creating a place forward, but having people hold the space who have a connection to the history is a real gift. And, and it's also part of passing forward when you have ideas or you have visions and creative experiences with others and being able to pass it forward for others to hold is a real gift as well. So Jennifer, on that note, if you don't mind, I'd like to pause for just a moment to say you are tuned in to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave always broadcasting first on WPVM-LP, Asheville, 103.7, streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville, heard all over the world, and on other community radio stations like KCEI-FM, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song. If you would like to get in touch with Walter Parks, WalterParks.com is a great place to sample much of Walter's work. I enjoy his music, and I'm always glad that he contributes something to our show each week. So thank you, Walter Parks. If you would like to reach out to me, JamesNave.com. Nave is spelled N-A-V-E. You can always go to my website and email me through the contact link. I would love to hear from you. And thank you, Devine Dial, for all the great work you do managing WPVM-FM. I appreciate it, and I know others do as well. Oh, and by the way, if you have an interest in, in writing and in being part of a writing group, my collaborative writing partner, Allegra Houston, and I host a weekly gathering on Zoom for writers, and it's called the Imaginative Storm prompt of the week. And the idea is to storm your imagination and then feed your rational mind wonderful material from the stormy imaginative mind. So it's a dance between your rational mind and your imaginative mind, and your imaginative mind leads the dance. If you would like to join us, we would love to see you come on the Zoom call, imaginativestorm.com. That's imaginativestorm.com. Noon 
on Saturdays. That's Eastern Time, noon Eastern Time, imaginativestorm.com. And we always welcome anyone who would like to come from anywhere in the world. It's an open door, and the invitation always stands. Saturday morning, noon Eastern Time, imaginativestorm.com. So, Jennifer, thank you for your patience in letting me do the station break. So now let's get back to our conversation. And we were talking about how Leaf Global Arts has a downtown location now. Now, here's, here's my question. How were you able to get the kind of financial support you needed to make that happen? I, have been, I was around when you were developing that, and it was a complete, wonderful renovation with all kinds of fantastic additions and rooms and performance spaces and digitalized walls that show the map of the world. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of support from a lot of people. How did you manage to put all that together and get the donors moving in the direction of that one grand goal that you've now achieved? Well, it was really specific to a couple of specific donors who believed in the vision, the idea, and also saw it as a complement to what our city offered. And our city has room to offer more for people who have families, as well as people who are very much committed to cultural diversity, as well as having experiences that are culturally rich. So the Explore Asheville TPDF, the Tourism Product Development Fund, was the key piece. And so they supported half of the project. It was a several-year process, and the staff really came together as a team to make it happen. It's been a long journey getting to that opening day of February 14, 2020. And then the other key piece was Bank of America coming in as a really strong national community partner and recognizing the importance of both the place, the history, and the community work. Another key piece was Home Trust Bank, which didn't do funding. However, they did a loan for us, which really made it possible for all the pieces. And we're still in the midst of fundraising. We have just over 400000 to still raise on the project. And we were in a great flow in early March of 2020. And then as things began to shift, we really just didn't have the energy or capacity to continue doing that. So I literally had a meeting this morning to talk about, okay, it's time to find those final partners who are really going to help keep this alive and keep it moving forward. So when we opened, we opened, you know, probably about, I don't know the exact amount, but let's say 78% done. And we still have room to grow and we also still have room to create. It's really fun. We just hired an associate director who she will actually be over Leaf Global and helping support the staff that's running it. And she literally grew up on the block. Uh, that is not why she got hired, but it was a beautiful compliment to her skills of her having such a rich connection to the history. Her dad has been a barber on that same block since she was born. And so it's been really fun the other day watching her 
you know, she's in her late twenties. Um, so she's young, she's smart. She, you know, has a big vision, but watching her work with one of the elders who's in his nineties and the support and the bringing together of those pieces and those, that rich richness of a fabric of a community that cannot ever be replaced. It's more precious when it is held by people whose place it is and whose place it should be. And that's one of the things, you know, we, we witness it throughout our country, throughout the world, places and people change. And so when you have the opportunity to have deep connections of history carrying forward, it doesn't stop the gentrification, but it definitely recalibrates the story and it allows the stories to live. It's been fantastic, Nave, just over the past two years as we've been, you know, in the building and shaping it and growing it forward of how many people stop in and are like, I got my first kiss here by Jackie Wilson. I did my first dance contest here. I was only 11 years old, wasn't even allowed in the club, but I needed to make some money and my mom sent me down. So many people have stories. And while it's a local place, if you look at things from a global perspective, it's a really special place in the world. And as you are opening back up and you're having all these folks drop in and make their comments and notes about getting their first kiss or their first dance or first blush even maybe at the um, at the corner there. What are you imagining now that you're coming out of a COVID-19 time and how have you revised your vision and your thinking over this time of reflection? Oh, it's still a daily, daily conversation. One of our continual conversations is that really beautiful balance between community connections and being a bridge also for people visiting our city to step in and have a really positive experience within Leaf Global. You know, we're still working that out. One of the things that we've really seen is definitely having live music and live arts is a gift. I think also having a lot of places and spaces that smaller groupings can come together and create. And for us, families are always important on that. And, you know, we're still in a place of exploration to see, okay, what is that going to look like at this time in this phase and recalibrating? And how about you personally? You've been involved in this from the very beginning and people look to you for your leadership. How are you as a founder moving forward and sharing that role with other people? I know you mentioned you had a new co-director. So how does that feel for you? And, and, and what kind of strategy are you using to stay involved and yet share the space? Mm, that's been a really beautiful journey. And I've had extraordinary support. That was a very intentional decision pre-COVID. And we started conversations during COVID with several of the staff and had weekly coaching from the Small Business Administration, which is a phenomenal service based out of Western Carolina here. And they helped us really move a lot of conversations forward. And then we had a weekly intentional conversation to start moving pieces. And as a 
founder, uh, you know, a, now a 26 year founder. One of the things we did was one of our board members stepped in as a co-director with me. And he also has deep roots in the block, which has been really beautiful. And that has been really important and such a gift of like that time and space to just start breaking the cycle of certain patterns in an organization. And that is something that has been extraordinary. And then we started a intentional search for a co-director. We actually ended up hiring an associate director who we will be building up to a co-director and justice will remain as my co-director for right now. But being very intentional of moving from hierarchical founder leadership mentality to more of community supportive leadership. I'm super dedicated to it. I was at an executive director luncheon recently and really stunned at how many executive directors I know are either retiring, quitting, or ready to. (laughs) Anyone's work, it doesn't matter how small or how big your organization is, having one person hold that place in space is not where we are today. You need a lot of good tools to move into a different space with it. We are in the process right now, also with our small business coach of doing a series called Crucial Conversations and really shifting how an organizational culture grows. That has been something that I think throughout a lot of the racial and social justice movement over last summer and the Black Lives Matter movement that was really called upon as a greater society. And it has been very fascinating watching and looking more closely at who holds what spaces, places, resources throughout a fabric of a community and what power is there and how that's distributed. There's times where I feel like I'm doing it great and times where truly I'm not doing it great. It's definitely been a very much one of those waves up and down throughout this whole process. Well, Jennifer, I think waves up and down is a great way to describe this process, as you said, of the last many months we've all been through together. I want to shift just a little bit and talk about identity. And what I mean by that is you've been identified as the director of the Leaf Global Arts and is now, now as you're emerging out of that and sharing your, your space with other people, how is your identity changing? Where are you going with your life personally? Well, that was a really interesting question to myself during COVID when I wasn't sure if Leaf would survive or not. And I had to ask that and I had to also really decide if it was worth fighting for. And at the end of the day, I said yes. And I also realized that so much of my identity, as much as what fires up my soul and what fires up my mind is really integrated into my leaf life. And I have been incredibly lucky and also super dedicated to a vision of connecting people and cultures through music and arts since day one that we started this conversation, Nave. And that 
richness that has filled my life by so many different people and experiences continues. So that being said, I definitely have moved from though identifying in more of a specific role, like director, that kind of patina that goes around that, less about that and more of being satisfied with both the work that we're doing, the work that we've done, as well as what's possible. And when you say possible, what do you mean by that? Oh my gosh. I mean, there are so many extraordinary artists and people carrying forward their stories, their cultures that deserve, need, and want a platform to share. And then the possibilities of connecting them to others and how that informs so many conversations and really allows people of all ages to step into a new way of appreciating who they are and where they come from. It's only bound by resources and time, energy, and all those pieces. There has been a common statement that has been said throughout our LEAF International programs is so powerful each time it's said, which is, I did not know myself until I learned my culture. And those exact words have been said from Annie and Haiti to Hope and Tanzania to several other experiences that we've had. And then being able to share that. There's lots of extraordinary ways to build a life and to build connections. And LEAF fits in with bringing these global pieces in lots of different ways, both to our community and through connections in other ways as well. And that's where we fit into this magic puzzle. It is indeed a magic puzzle. You said a few moments ago that you had to decide to either fight for it or step back and give up the quest. And obviously you decided to go forward with the quest. I'd like to know how and where this drive started. How did it emerge from your younger life and grow into what it's grown to today? This is a drive that few people have. It must have rose out of something. Do you know what that something might have been? Absolutely. I got one of the Pan Am around the world tickets after I graduated from college. And it was, I believe it was $1,400 and it was good for 12 months and you could travel anywhere in the world. And my girlfriend and I innocently set off backpacking on a shoestring across Southeast Asia and a little bit into India, a little bit into Africa. That trip was what informed a lot of my life because not only did I feel alive, I felt every day was a new discovery. And it's such an extraordinarily big world. I'm grateful to be on this planet. And I also recognize I only have the capacity to soak up so much of it and to share so much of it. It really has informed my vision of both the work that I do and then also as well, so many of my God kids growing up here 
in Asheville and watching them look for places of discovering their own places of expression and seeing themselves both in the community and in the world. So that was the fire that was set. And I'm really grateful. I understood early on in my 30s, and I had just gone to Beckway in the Grenadines. I'd gone for a vacation. One of my mentors, Randy Siegel, had charged me while I was there to really take time to discover what my personal mission was. And while I was there is when I discovered that on the island of Beckway, there was only one kid who was learning the tradition of still pan. And they were bringing kids from another island over regularly. And that's how the conversation of Leaf International started, was if we were willing to support somebody locally to teach their local kids their traditions, and we had local pans made, would the community school be willing to host a program? And that was years ago. And at this point, close to 100 kids have now gone through that program, and over half of them can get on an international stage anywhere and play. Now it's just part of the fabric of their lives. That is what what drives me. I watch a lot of people discover the world through food. Mine has been really discovering other cultures through their music and the arts and in conversations with people. And you left your home and you've traveled all over the world and you continue your travels now. And I expect it'll just go on and on and on. And yet you are at home right now in Western North Carolina on the property you grew up on and you now live on. And the Leaf Festival is based at Camp Rockmont, which you have been associated with for many years. So in a sense, even though you've gone global, you've stayed very close to your home, the place where you grew up. How does that feel? Oh, it feels like a gift. You get a few gifts in the world and having a place here at Lake Eden to grow up and to have those strong roots. I do not take it for granted. And I understand that I can dedicate myself at a certain level of energy, time, resources, because I had strong roots in a place that gives me and fuels me with so much beauty in nature. That has been an extraordinary gift. When I moved back here to Black Mountain into the Asheville area, there wasn't a strong presence of other cultures and other cultures being expressed. So that's where, when we started Leaf Nave, of really bringing in other inspirations and people from all over the world to this place was part of what has allowed me to stay here. Well, Jennifer Pickering, you have done a great job of putting all this together and holding it together and offering so many opportunities for thousands upon thousands of people to come to the Leaf Festival and Leaf Downtown and now Leaf Global Arts. And the the culture experiment just continues. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. If as we close, would you tell people how they can get in touch with you and your organization? Yes, absolutely. And I just want to quickly give kudos to you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. I have carried a lot of the pieces. I have been really grateful for the generosity and talent for so many people, including yourself, 
who have stepped in and made leaf what it is. That has been a tremendous gift. And if anybody wants to find out what we're up to or connect or volunteer or come to one of the festivals or events or downtown, you can just go to theleaf.org, T-H-E-L-E-A-F dot O-R-G. Theleaf.org. Thank you, Jennifer. I appreciate your time and your friendship. Oh, you know, I look forward to this journey continuing, Nave. We've had a beautiful friendship and so much great work together through the Poetry Slam. COVID couldn't even stop it. Yeah, COVID couldn't stop it. So thanks so much, Jennifer. Thank you. And there you go, my friends. Jennifer Pickering, who is the director of Leaf Global Arts, based in Asheville, North Carolina. Since we have a few minutes before the top of the hour, I'd like to spend that time reflecting a little bit more on the Leaf Festival and Leaf Globe of Arts. I'd like to focus on the Leaf Festival, which started in 1995 and has been going on in one form or another ever since. About eight months prior to the first Leaf Festival in 1995, Jennifer and I met and she wanted me to get together with her because she had an idea she would like to propose to me. And so we sat on a sunny knoll in front of my apartment. It was a nice afternoon and she said, I have this idea to create an arts festival that would have music and dance and healing arts and visual arts and other things. And I said, well, you could also have poetry as well. And Jennifer agreed. So we talked a little bit more. And in that conversation, we came up with the idea of calling the festival the Leaf Festival, which of course made perfect sense because Jennifer said she wanted to offer two festivals per year, one in the spring and one in the fall. And if you've ever visited Western North Carolina or the Southern Appalachian Mountains, you know how spectacular the springtime can be with all the beautiful buds coming out on the trees and the birds nesting in the branches and the streams running through the forests. And of course, in the fall, when the leaves come aflame all over the mountains and the afternoons are warmish and the evenings are very cool and the transition time toward the darker part of the year is well underway. So Jennifer's idea was to offer a leaf festival in May and a leaf festival in the fall, and she did just that. And I would like to mention that in addition to the beautiful mountains and the southern highlands and the leaves in the spring and in the fall, the location for the leaf festival is particularly interesting. It's called Camp Rockmont, and it's located just about seven or eight miles west of Black Mountain, North Carolina, almost in between Asheville and Black Mountain on Interstate 40. Aside from being an absolutely pristine and beautiful location for any kind of festival, Camp Rockmont is also the former location of Black Mountain College, which was founded in 1933 at Blue Ridge Assembly and then moved later to the site of Camp Rockmont. Black Mountain College did indeed close its doors in 1957. Even so, its influence continues to this day. If you go to blackmountaincollege.org, you'll get a great overview of the influence that college had back then and even now. Black Mountain College was highly experimental, and people came and went, often didn't get degrees. In fact, if I recall, I don't believe the college actually issued degrees. 
And yet, the many people who came through that college went on to influence the way we think even to this day. So it makes sense to think the Leaf Festival would rise from the site of Black Mountain College. And even though the Leaf Festival and Leaf Global Arts would not fit in the category of a university or a college, it clearly fits in the category of education. And as Jennifer Pickering said in this interview, we have to rethink the way we approach our learning, no matter where we live in the world. To my mind, learning is a collective experience, or at least that's how I learn best, within a group of people all experimenting and trying to figure out the answers to questions or the answers to problems. Or for that matter, just having a good time while they share their experiences with each other. So you can see there's a bit of overlap between what the Black Mountain College students were doing a long time ago and what Leaf Global Arts and the Leaf Festival is doing in the 2020s. Going back to the afternoon, Jennifer and I sat on the front lawn near my apartment. One of the reasons she came by to see me and ask my help was because prior to the Leaf Festival, there had been another festival on Camp Rockmont called the Black Mountain Festival. So by the time Jennifer came over to my spot and we were talking about the new festival she wanted to produce, the Black Mountain Festival had waned. It was a bit of a remnant. It no longer had the, the juice, the power, the momentum that it once had. A fellow named David Peel, who owned McDibbs, which was one of the first listening rooms for music in the Asheville area. It was in Black Mountain. David Peel had the idea for the first Black Mountain Festival, and it was similar to the idea that Jennifer was working with with the Leaf Festival. And one of the things David did that Jennifer also did in 1995, David reached out to his close collaborative friends, and he asked them all to help him with the festival. And I was one of the ones involved in that very, very beginning time, and I actually believe I ran parking, or I might have been on security. I don't remember. I do remember it was held at Camp Rockmont, and it started in 1985, and it was extremely popular, and people absolutely loved it, and it had all of the energy and joy that Jennifer could envision for the Leaf Festival. But as I said, unfortunately, the Black Mountain Festival over a period of time became a bit of a remnant of its old self. Jennifer Pickering, one of her genius moves when she decided to do the Leaf Festival, her genius move was to reach out to all the people she knew who had been involved in the Black Mountain Festival and ask the most important question one can ask when planning a, a new project and asking people for advice. She asked everyone involved in the Black Mountain Festival, what was the best of the best of the Black Mountain Festival? And of course, as you might imagine, people were very excited to contribute because everyone missed the old Black Mountain Festival and they were absolutely thrilled to think a new one would rise up from all of the work they had previously done. 
Long story short, Jennifer Pickering paid close attention to what everybody said, and to her credit, she took the best of the best and folded it into the Leaf Festival and launched the Leaf Festival in 1995. And since then, Leaf Global Arts has grown and expanded all over the world. And that, my friends, is why the collaborative efforts that we do together are so, so important, no matter how large or small. You absolutely never know where it's going to go or how it's going to grow. And on that note, it's time to close our show. So I would like to thank you ever so much for tuning in to Twice Five Miles Radio. Fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave. We're always broadcasting first on WPVM LP Asheville 103.7 and streaming online WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville, heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI-FM, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. I would like to thank Walter Parks for our theme song. Thank you, Walter Parks, for all the good work you do. I really do appreciate everything that you offer, including our theme song. WalterParks.com if you're interested in more of Walter's music. If you would like to reach out to me, JamesNave.com. And I'd also like to remind you that every Saturday morning, my creative collaborator, Allegra Houston, and I are hosting a writing session called the Imaginative Storm Prompt of the Week. If you would like to join us, you'll find the link to our Zoom gathering at imaginativestorm.com. Our door is open to everyone. We welcome you. Bring your pencils, pens, and a piece of paper, and that's all you need. And thank you, Davine Dial, for managing WPVMFM. We do appreciate it. And finally, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Twice Five Miles Radio. And I hope you tune in again next time. And until then, I'll catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line.